This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. up everybody welcome to the full scale outdoors podcast i'm dale luganville thank you very much for joining me this week's weekend recap and rant uh, i do have some stuff to recap and uh and rant i suppose uh what i want to get out of the way right away is um i received the message last week um i'm just gonna just gonna read it so i i want to get this message out there so um man named Michael Nelson messaged me and just says, uh, Hey Dale, you don't know me personally, but I've followed Full Scale since the first podcast, and I have a friend that is very heavily involved with this TV show program called American Hero Outdoors. And what they do is take veterans on hunting and fishing trips. That's zero cost to them. They have this deal called the Hero Hut, and that is for local vets who do not have land or are physically unable to get out and hunt deer. This past weekend, the Hero Hut was stolen, and we are trying to raise money to replace it. This is 100% for less fortunate vets who want to regain their love for the outdoors. It gives me the link, um, AmericanHeroesOutdoors.com, if anybody wants to go check that out. And then uh, he just asked if I'd be willing to share that information, and of course I would be. Uh, And there is a GoFundMe link as well. Uh, so I'm going to put that in the show notes. I'll put the, the link to their website and the GoFundMe thing. Um, please take the time. I don't know how, how often people actually go into the show notes and follow links and stuff like that. But if you would, specifically for this one, I'll, I'll try to give you a reminder at the end of the show too. Um, be greatly appreciated. I'll probably put a post on social media. Not that I have a gigantic reach or anything, but um, 
you know, it's a cause that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, it sounds like they're very similar to Hometown Hero Outdoors, which if you listen to this podcast, you know that, I, that I'm friends with them. And, um, yeah, they just do good things. And there's definitely plenty of space to help all the other veteran-based organizations out there. So, um, yeah, please, please go and do that. That's my call to action for my listeners. If you could do that for me, that would be great and for them because that's pretty cool. But also, very cool that he's been listening since the, the the first episode. That's saying a lot. I think I cracked the 250 mark now, episodes, going on three years. Or I'm into three years now. So, uh, very cool. So, thank you, Michael, for uh, for listening, sticking with it that long and <laughs> watching me evolve and or listening to it evolve and uh, hopefully, hopefully getting better. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. But, all right. So let's get into the recap. Last weekend was the Minnesota Made Outdoors' first event, a 104 for this year. And that was going to be Sunday, or was Sunday, I should say. So that, I had actually taken Thursday and Friday off to do some more scouting because I was not very confident in what we had found. We had one decent crappie spot. Um, but we had nothing for gills. I mean, we had nothing for gills. I mean, there were spots we found that, you know, had some and either weren't the size you'd like to find, or it's just like, well, one here, one there, or they're here and gone. Like they just moved through, you know, nothing you would even remotely consider a spot, you know, where you, you had any sort of confidence. You could pull up, drill a few holes, find them, catch them. Had nothing like that. We did have a fair amount of water to, to dissect yet. So I decided to take Thursday and Friday off. Well, Thursday, sometimes these days just happen. So there was things that I needed to get. My, I had There was a, a trailer tire I needed to replace on my, um, well, technically it's a snowmobile trailer, but I have a four-wheeler on it, so it's a four-wheeler trailer. <laughs> but it's those kind of have those stupid little round, fat wheels you know not like i like trailers with actual like you know car tires on them but i just i don't know i don't trust they look like little toy tires i just don't trust them i don't know why <laughs> i don't know what the deal is but anyways it's what i have and apparently at this time of year trying to find that size tire is near impossible i called all around i stopped everywhere fleet farms tractor supplies um uh, I, uh, everywhere. I, I can't think of the names now. It's too early in the morning. I probably should drink this coffee I have sitting in my hand. Oh, that was a very Patrick Patches-like sip there. Apologies. Um, so, yeah, um, Northern Tool. That's what I was trying to think of. I checked there. I called some tire shops. It, it was crazy. So I had one blowout, um, I don't know, a month or so ago. Probably more than that now. And was able to find one that was at a tractor supply. Thankfully, it was I was very close to the set said tractor supply, so it was quite convenient. So, anyways, I looked at the yellow one when I was changing that one, and that one was like just as bad. I'm like, that thing's gonna go. And I haven't been successful in finding one of these tires. And of course, I'd been using the trailer, run back and forth the lake, and it's just like one of these days, this thing is just I, I know it's gonna go. It's 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 terrible. It's bald on the inside. It's just so bad 
And in my mind, I'm like, it's going to happen on the way to an event. And then totally going to be screwed. So I made, that was like priority number one, find a tire for this damn trailer before the weekend of the event. Well, I ended up stopping in to the same tractor supply store that I found the first one. Uh, I'll stop in there for something else completely different. And I'm like, ah, while I'm here, I'll go check. I don't know how often they replenish their stock. Because when I was there, they only only had the one. And he said, yeah, these are, you know, we usually make one order, like the beginning of the year. And what we have is like what we have. Um, I was like, well, I'm going to go in there. And so this was like, back up. This is like a week ago. So I went in there and I'm like, well, I'm just going to have them order one. And then I can take care of it this week. So I went in there to do that. And I look on the the rack and there's one sitting there. And it's all like kind of taped up. or So they, I don't know if they got a return in. Someone got the wrong size or whatever. I was like, oh, yes. So throw that in the back of my truck. So that this it was just the just the tire, not on a rim. I really was hoping to find a rim and tire because then I would have a spare. You know, I just bought two of them because I don't have a spare for the trailer. I know, super smart. Um, and Fleet Farm had the right size tire with rim, but it was a five hole, not a four hole. It's like son of a bitch. Um, so I'm running around. I have this just tire in the back, and so Thursday. I'm like, I'm going to go bring this. One of the first things I do, I'm going to drop this thing off at a tire place, have them fix it. I got some other errands I got to run. So wake up, get ready, go to a discount tire, drop it off there. Then I got to run to my bank. Of course, I bank at one of these like credit unions where there's like three locations. So I got to drive all over hell to get to the bank. I get to the bank, um, come back, tire's done. Yay, that's pretty good. And so now there's some other things I wanted to pick up and I start driving around looking for, I, I wanted to get a, a nice defense system. I never really wanted one before, but the fact that these fish were moving so much on this lake and, and I've toyed with this idea before, like having a set line down, you know, I generally only use one line on ice fishing. You can use two legally in Minnesota and you can use two, you know, in, in the tournament, you know, you can follow all the, all the regular state laws, regulations apply. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I think I think having a set line out there is really going to play because these fish move around so much, you know, just having one more line down increases your odds that you're going to get a lure in front of a fish or bait in front of a fish. And it seemed it wasn't really hard to get fish to bite. It just, it was hard to find fish. Like if you got a lure in front of a fish, they seem to hit more times than not. So I wanted to get a set line down. I wanted to use a snare rod, um, but it was going to be really cold for this weekend, for this event. And I'm like, the hole will just keep freezing up. How that's not going to work. It's going to be a pain in the ass. So I need to find a nice defense system. So I go down to Thorn. Thorn's a sponsor of Minnesota Made. They don't have them. I don't think. They, I think they don't even carry them anymore. I think that's what I asked, and they, and they didn't have it. I was like, ah, crap. So I picked up a few things. Oh, and the other things I was looking for was I wanted a um, like a bait net, but a, like a big one that I could actually. So when it came time to sort fish, instead of 
just putting my hands in the water and doing it that way I could just scoop them out with the net thought that would be easier to do had a heck of a time finding one that was big enough but not you know an actual like landing net kind I know they're out there I had one in my Yeti and I I left it in there when I sold it but it was like the perfect size I don't know probably like six inches across six inches deep something like that you know I'm way more than you need for like a minnow net but big enough to handle you know panfish so I was looking for that um I was also thinking some sort of like because I just wanted to have the bait in my big cooler so I have a big giant cooler I put on the back of my um four-wheeler that I fill with water and then that's where I put my fish for the tournament day keeps them alive healthier in theory the healthier the fish the more it's going to weigh and some of these events come down to grams so you know anything i can do to increase you know legally not increase the weight but retain the weight of the fish that you catch in my brain seems to make sense um which is why i wanted that big net for scooping the fish out but then i was going to use bait this time around, so I needed to, I wasn't just going to dump the bait in there and then have to chase minnows around the whole cooler the whole time. This is like one of those big ones. It's like that 55 quart or whatever. It's, it's, it's probably more than I need, but honestly, it, it's pretty nice. And the more water you have, the longer it takes for the transfer of heat, cold temperature. So it's in brutal cold days, it's going to retain, you know, that water you put in there is going to stay at that temperature more or easier whatever the word is i'm trying to find <laughs> i'm failing to find words this morning um so anyways got a big giant cooler that's that's the point of the story and i was looking for some sort of a minnow thing and i saw like the bait caddy i think it's called something like that that clear clear plastic one with the holes i'm like yeah that might work and then i saw this thing it was like a, a yellow mesh floating net and i was like ah that'll work so i picked that up i did get that at thorn that was pretty cool and wait did i get that at thorn that might have been a fleet farm purchase i think it was fleet farm yeah so anyways i drove man i drove everywhere oh yeah that's the other thing i needed so i had broken the my auger holders for my wheeler earlier in the year when my wheeler was stuck and i was trying to push it i used those holders yeah don't do that they're only like plastic inside at least the ones i had cheap cheap ones yeah those broke so it's like ah, crap i need to run around and find those so they didn't have those at flea farm i checked um like there's a polaris dealer right up 65 they had they had one and it was like an it was like a, a ratcheting one kind of you know it went in there was a push button and then you'd open it back up and kind of cool instead of using the rubber straps over the top but i was thinking i don't know moving parts and bitter cold just seemed like a bad idea and i could just see like closing it to hold the auger and some snow or melts in there or god forbid you have freezing rain or just slush splashes up in there anyways that thing gets wet and freezes and then i'm not able to push in that button and then now i can't get my auger out i, I don't know just all these scenarios kept going through my head and i'm like yeah i'm gonna pass plus they only had one i really wanted to get two sets because i wanted one for my actual fishing auger and then one one for my camera auger the camera auger is just this little tiny three inch three inch dealy uh anyways so i'm driving all over location trying to find this thing i found like a way to dennis kirk in rush city they have a couple buy them good that's all set 
find everything I need. And then, at, but unfortunately, at this point in time, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's like, well, by the time I run up to Knife Lake now, it's going to be four o'clock and dark, and this makes no sense. So I had no scouting that day, which really sucked, but this stuff needed to get done. And I never did find ice defense system. That part still sucked. Um, but so whatever, I didn't, I wasn't able to get that, but this other stuff had to get done and it got done. So at least that's out of the way. Now I'm all set up. So Friday morning I head up and, uh, I'm going to check off some more spots and I find this just absolutely gorgeous weed flat. Nice live weeds, four to five feet of water. This, I'm thinking, oh, yeah. And there wasn't a hole drilled anywhere near here. There wasn't even, like, wheeler or snowmobile tracks through here. I mean, there was some here and there, but they just went straight through. None of, nothing stopped. Like, nobody has looked at this spot. And I thought, oh, man, I, we, I just found our own juice. This is going to be great. This is going to be a bluegill spot for sure. Kept drilling and drilling and drilling. More beautiful weeds. A couple perch here and there. Saw some red horse on camera. It's the first time I've ever seen red horse um, while scouting for um, a tournament under the ice. So that was kind of cool. Um, not a single bluegill or crappie. Nothing. Actually almost devoid of life. Except for like literally two or three small perch and those two red horse that I saw. And it's just boggling my mind. So I go in a little bit deeper into the weeds. I go like on the edge of the weeds. I mean, this doesn't make sense. This just doesn't make sense. Everything that I have seen and learned in my experience up to this point screams that this should hold fish. In a lake that's relatively void of good structure, you've got the Garden of Eden here. And for whatever reason, nothing. And it can't be an oxygen thing. You've got tons of live weeds down there. It doesn't even make sense. I just, even now, after I know and I've, and I've experienced it, I'm still in disbelief. It doesn't make any sense. And so I was going back to last year when we had found shallow weeds and bluegills on West Rush. And then they weren't there the day of the event because it was really cold and it was 20 below zero. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe they pushed out of here because it's super cold. Maybe it's the temperature of the water thing. And so I just backed out, went to the first break into the basin and drilled that out. And we're using live scope, which we have this year, which is kind of good and bad. It's good, but also bad. I'll explain. Anyways, I didn't, uh, didn't see anything. I, I managed to see on live scope, like two real big marks that I'm convinced were two giant crappies, but they just went cruising through and I was never able to find them again. So I'm like, well, that's not exactly a spot. Um, yeah, and I just, like, the, the bluegills just did a disappearing act. Or I mean, if they were ever even in there. It was crazy. Like, well, that didn't work. Well, in the process of doing that, checking out that break in that basin, I got pretty close to a spot that we had had where we had found our crappies. I'm like, well, I'm right here. I might as well make a quick check just to see if they're still in the area. I drilled a hole on our waypoint, put the live scope down, panned it around. Like, oh, yeah, there they are, 20 yards away. <laughs> drilled on them. Drop a line, caught one good one. Yep, that's same caliber fish. Perfect. All right, let's get out of here. So I bailed on that spot. Went and did uh, went to go cameras and some other spots. Then the, my camera died. 
battery died. Like, oh, son of a bitch. So now I'm left with just live scope because my original intent was to do nothing but camera work all day. I just wanted to knock out all the shallows that I hadn't checked. You know, my goal was I just want to know this entire lake. I don't want to have to look at a shoreline or a bay or a basin and not know what's there. It's just I hate that. It's bit us in the butt in the past. Like, you just need to be thorough. Well, now I can't do that with my camera. I was like, ah, shit. So it's back to checking out basins. And uh, I'm not finding much, just just hordes and hordes of perch on this lake. Like, it's ridiculous. I swear to God, you j- just go to the lake, whatever gas is in your machine, just drive it around until you run out of gas. You know, go ahead and have a, a backup on you so you can get back for this experiment. But just drive around until you run out of gas. When you run out of gas, hop off your wheeler or snowmobile, drill a hole, and I guarantee you, you're going to catch perch in that hole. It's unreal. It doesn't matter the depth, nothing. There are perch everywhere in that stupid lake. Uh, so that was frustrating, you know, because you'd mark fish and you're just, oh, there's a school over there. And then you go 50 feet and you drill a hole and go down on them. Oh, yeah, let's start fishing for a perch. Damn it. So a lot of time spent, a lot of wasted time spent chasing down perch, hoping that they were bluegills. Because the thing is, you're like, oh, well, look at the size. Well, at this point, because we had no decent bluegills, I wasn't worried so much about size. I just wanted seven. I just wanted a full limit of bluegills, and then my crappies should take care of the rest. All right? Like, the crappies you had were good, but the bluegills, not so much. We just didn't have them. I just, that was the thing. It just happened. And, you know, we talked to other people, and they're like, well, how are you doing? I'm like, well, I got crappies, but I do not have bluegills. And that was pretty much a shared sentiment. Now, the Saturday the day before, some people were finding bluegills, and I yet was not because we hit it. You know, Joel came out, we hit it again um, Saturday morning, do some more scouting, and we checked out some more spots. We still could not find gills, and I'm just I'm, I'm getting real close to full panic mode at this point. And so then the other thing that happened is Saturday we had our very first uh, fam on ice clinic, so future anglers in Minnesota, and that was from uh, one to four. So I had to, I had to bail. Joel was gonna have to scout the rest of the day on his own. I had to head back because I had a, a, I was signed up to, to teach a couple kids. Uh, very cool. We had a bunch of hubs set up. We had the heaters rocking in there. Everything is set up. We bring these kids out on the ice, and we had them set up over a perch spot, which, like I just said, is pretty much everywhere. Um, but it was cool. You know, you got to just meet a couple new kids, share some information with them. And I kind of had a, I was handed a note of their, their names and what they wanted to learn. And my, one of the, uh, one of the kids I had wanted to learn, you know, how to, how to read lake maps more. And then Collins wanted to learn how to tie knots. I'm like, all right, I could do that. So I spent some time um, trying to, you know, break down a lake and then hope, you know, trying to make it, you know, it's hard to explain when you're trying to break it down to like kid level. You know, without I don't like talking down to kids. I never, I've, I've never done that. I like the baby talk. You know, not like you're gonna do this to a twelve year old or whatever. But I'm just in general, like I don't do baby talk with babies. You know, you just talk to them. Like I, I don't like talking down to kids. Kids are far more intelligent than we give them credit for. You know, I, I'm 100% convinced after raising a couple of kids of my own that like babies, even before they can talk, fully understand what you're saying. 
And, you know, we've all seen that kid that just, like, blabbers on and his hand gestures and he's talking back to you and you're like, I have no idea what you're saying. I fully believe that that kid is having a conversation with you. He's just, he's making up his own words because he hasn't learned the words yet. But he's communicating for sure. Um, my son Dane was like that for a long time. It's like, dude, this dude is making up his own language over here. But anyways, point being, you know, like, so I'm, like, trying to find ways to talk about something that can be kind of advanced or I think we just have a tendency to use terms or brush over stuff that seems so elementary to us as older experienced fishermen that I just was like I had to be cognizant of that so I really try to just break it down in extreme basics like do you know what those lines mean you know I didn't bother their contour lines like I wasn't going to get into like heavy terms and stuff like that like definitions this isn't an English test science test doesn't care and he's like no so i explained to him like that's just where the depth changes one way or the other so the wider they're spaced out the more gradually it changed you know they go in 10 foot increments so it's like here's 10 feet here and it's 20 feet over there and 20 feet's way over there that means it's just like it's almost nearly flat but if you see a bunch of lines together that's where it either drops really fast or comes up really fast so we seemed to grasp that so that was cool and then I went through a couple knots, and I don't know that I'm the best person to teach knots because I use, like, three for everything. Oh, I guess there's a fourth for a specific. Well, now there's a fifth. God damn it. <laughs> All right, but the, there's three major ones that I use, and that's the one that I've always just called uh, the fisherman's knot. You know, go through the eye, wrap it around like seven, eight times, take your tag in, go through that loop, tighten it. Boom, done. And there's one like that that I'll do. It's basically the same thing, but on bigger baits or heavier line, I'll do that. Of course, you don't go around as much. You can only go around like four or five times. You go through that first loop, and then you take that tag length through that loop you just made again. So you're going through two, and that just makes it a little bit tighter. And then, of course, make sure you wet it, tighten it down, and then just the old polymer knot. Double line over through the eyelet. Make one overhand loop, just like you're tying your shoes. Got that big giant loop, swing your lure through there, wet it, tighten it, done. Those are the three knots that I use pretty much exclusively. The only other ones I can really think of is that a snell knot when using a you know a snelled hook. I'll do that and then um when you're doing a drop shot. But that's just you know, a loop. I mean it's not, that's it's not I mean it's a knot, but it's part of a whole thing so anyways so that was fun and when we first set up in our shack we had perch all over but we couldn't for whatever reason just couldn't get them to bite i mean they bit but it was like trying to um communicate with the kids like when to set the hook and stuff was they were struggling with that a little bit but and then it got just then the bite just died off like the fish just disappeared and we had a couple live scopes able to use and so uh, tony dalbert came out and he's like we well, can use my live scope i'm like oh sweet do it so I, but i asked the kids cause it was cold outside it wasn't super cold outside it was like 20 some degrees but it was kind of windy i'm like well you guys want to stay in here and uh hope for the best or you want to chase these fish around and then they're like let's go chase fish i'm like all right let's do it these are my kind of kids so we hopped out and uh, started chasing down drilling holes that live scope and find one here one there we we're trying to stay on them it was really tough finally we were able to find a big an actual big school and we got on them and then uh collins went on a tear and she got she got a few 
bing bang boom real quick she was pretty stoked got a picture of her and then uh and then it was time to come back we had a big drawing for prizes ended up giving away a big uh, uh hub ice house to a kid that was awesome and then uh went in for hot dogs so it was very cool um event it was our first one so we had a lot of of you know kinks to work out and we would like input so if you're if you were there if you're part of it or you even if you weren't there but you have some ideas that kids might like go ahead and message me or uh better yet follow future anglers in minnesota on our social media so we're really trying to grow that page or almost to a thousand i think or do we have a thousand ready we're either close to or at a thousand already so it's growing really fast but we really want to grow that so that we can reach more and more kids and just so everybody knows that this thing is an event and uh yeah so future anglers in minnesota on um, facebook and instagram and then the website is up and running now too which is fam so f-a-m dash m-n dot org i believe that's the website i think if you do do a search you, you should find it um, but yeah go in there and send us a message let us know uh, what we can do better if you just have any good ideas um, but that was a lot of fun so sent the kids uh, packing and then uh, had just a little bit of time to run back out and uh, meet up with joel for one last ditch effort to try to find something uh, which we failed miserably so at the end of Saturday, I am the least confident I have ever been for an event. <laughs> it's not good. The good thing is hardly no traffic over our crappie spot, and we chose to not touch it um, on Saturday. Didn't want to you know, give anybody any reason to go, hey, what's going on over there? And so the word, the only thing we, we drove past it one time, and as he drove past it, I kind of waved to it. I'm like, hi. <laughs> and then we kept going. But, yeah, we didn't want to draw any attention to it. Um, so we didn't even touch it Saturday. So that's kind of a question mark, too. I mean, every other time we had checked it, they were there. So I was pretty confident that they would stay there. But you know how it goes. Like, they're there one day, they're gone the next. It could easily happen. Um, just the traffic on the lake could have changed things, you know, because there was – so many, you know, all the teams are out there pre-fishing that day. So it was just like wheelers and snowmobiles running everywhere. And so there were people rolling over our fish, but not necessarily catching them. But that could have still, you know, made them change their pattern. Who knows? Um, so anyways, you know, talking to, again, talking to some other competitors, kind of hearing the same thing, except for now today, some people were showing some confidence about the bluegills, which is making my doubt even stronger it's like not good i was like i am not gonna sleep good tonight which is kind of stupid to say because i never sleep good before an event whether it's minnesota made or a my loon state bass club event or a big cash event what it doesn't matter i don't care how small or big or whatever a tournament is i do not sleep the night before because my brain just starts rolling through scenarios <sighs> it's brutal um but yeah, it's like, well, it is what it is. Let's go home and charge up our stuff and uh, do the best we can. Oh, the wheeler is just caked in snow and ice because there's a lot of slush pockets out there because it had quite a bit of snow up there. And so you just you go through these slush pockets, just like ice build up on ice build up on ice. But it was it was bad. I wasn't gonna touch it, but then I was like, well, maybe I should knock some of these bigger chunks off. So I spent some time. Um, at the end of the day, Saturday, to 
clear what I could and kind of glad I did. But so we get up and uh, it's time to head to the lake. Game day. Um, let's go. I'm, I'm now starting to get excited. I usually get excited way before, but I think because I was just so lacking confidence that it just really didn't hadn't set in that like the season is upon us. But now I'm on the way up, driving up, and I'm like, all right, it's time to get in game mode here. This is it's gonna be. It's gonna be. I just roll through my mind. I'm like, you know what? Just go fishing, dude. Just like you know, you get go get your crappies. Hopefully they're there. If they're there, get your crappies, and then just do what you do. Go find some fish. I mean, every day is different. You could easily stumble upon it. Maybe check those weeds again. Who knows? So we we get there start we're in second flight we take off there's one other team that was there that we knew was going to be there or we, sh we weren't shocked that they were there we'll put it that way um because they we had saw them earlier scouting they put a lot of time in scouting and a couple times we saw them they weren't on that spot but they were what i would call dangerously close to it like a few hundred yards away so it's not you know ridiculous to say that they would just keep moving down that break or do whatever, expanding their search and what they had and then stumble upon those fish, which clearly they found them. So, and they had got, I don't know, they must have been the first flight they got there before we did. And um, so, and then there was a, a third team there to meet Chris. And then so we, you know, hop off, start fishing. We went right, the, the good part is um, nobody was on our actual pin. So we were able to get right to our pin, drilled some holes, and then we just, I don't know if it was the traffic rolling over them or what was going on, but uh, not surprising, our fish don't seem to be there. We're like, what the fuck? But we see Tim and Chris are starting to pick some up, and then the other team's picking some up. We're like, oh, God. All right. Well, we just need to make a small move. So we just expanded out from our area a little bit, and then we, we started catching some crappies too. It's like, all right, here we go, here we go. Um, but it, now it's taking a lot longer. You know, in a perfect world, we were hoping to run in there, get our eight crappies in like, you know, an hour, and then have the rest of the day to try to hunt down these stupid bluegills. Well, that's not going to happen. Like we just kept fishing. It took us way too long to get to get our eight crappies, and two of the crappies we didn't want. I mean, they were legal, but they were, you know, 10 inches. I mean, they were nothing nothing special there's better ones in there like i'd caught one that was just under 13 inches and we had some that were like you know 11 and a half 12 inches so we had some nice ones in there but those two little ones are like Ugh. and so then you know joel and i talk we're like what should we do should we just stick here and try to upgrade these crappies or should we go find some bluegills so in the process i did catch one random bluegill that came through it was a nice one um, it wasn't huge but it was like you know eight and a half or something it was decent um just smashed a pinhead minnow like that was that part was awesome and that was primarily my bait that i used was a pinhead and like i said the, the fish weren't shy if you get a lure in front of a fish it was gonna bite and we did have a set line down and a couple times i went and checked it and the minnow was gone and i got like small shiners because like i'm not here to catch little fish i want the big dogs 13 14 15 inch crappies you know i don't and i don't want to be bugged by perch the whole time so i'm not going to put down a crappie minnow so a couple times that was gone uh, a couple times that the snare rod went off but we weren't able to capitalize on it joel ran over one time and went to go set the hook but didn't engage the or didn't turn the bait feeder part off and so 
obviously he missed that fish. So there was a chance that we would have caught a couple fish on that if we would have done it right. Plus, I think not having that ice defense is how something bit and was able to pull the minnow off the hook without setting anything off because it was the line was probably locked in the ice, you know. So I knew that was going to be a problem. It was while I was trying to find ice defense. Failed miserably, but we set on anyways. Didn't really cost us any time. And, you know, maybe we'll use it again in the future. I'm sure we will. But so anyways... So we talk about, we're like, here's the problem. You only get to weigh seven of each, seven gills, seven crappies. You only get to weigh that eighth crappie if you have your full limit. So I'm like, I feel like we got to find these gills. Like, So we, we make a couple hero runs to try to find gills. I mean, one of them was like literally all the way on the other end of the lake. Made a couple stops, nothing, nothing, nothing. And at this point, we're running out of time. We're like, well, at I mean, we're not going to get our gills. Let's just go back and try to update the crappies where we know they exist. So we head back to that spot. Now there's not as many people around, so maybe less pressure will help. And we're getting a couple bites, and we lost one. We lost a fish. Um, we're like, I'm not here. Maybe the pressure pushed them out. So then we made a, another, you know, we jumped way out in the basin, kind of looked around, nothing, nothing, nothing. And uh, just ended up running out of time and uh, didn't upgrade any crappies didn't catch any more bluegills it's like well it is what it is <laughs> we were able to catch one bluegill well i caught one other bluegill but it literally was like four inches long uh, not gonna help us so it's like well pretty frustrated but what are you gonna do at least we have good crappies so we roll in into weigh in and now everybody starts talking about you know how they did and you can just kind of see everybody's body language isn't that great. You're like, all right, it was tough for everybody. Maybe, maybe we're okay. And we're like, oh, did you get a bag? Nope. Did you get a bag? Nope. I'm like, all right, I don't think, I don't think anybody's got a bag. And so and Nick comes up, and you know, Nick and Leif, they're the hammers, the team of the year, two years in a row, just dominating. And talking to Nick, he's like, well, did you find them? Are your crappies there? I was like, yeah, well, our crappies were there, but. Not our gills. Maybe we just didn't have a gill spot. How about you? You get a full bag? And he's like, no. I'm like, really? I'm like, all right. Well, I'm feeling a little bit better. He's like, you got crappies? How many? You? He's like, what'd you get? I'm like, we had seven and four. I'm like, ah, shit. going to fucking beat us again. <laughs> and he's like, but I do not like our crappies. I'm like, oh, really? It's like, oh, I got two I would like to get rid of. He's like, well, I promise you that, like, I would trade, I would trade my biggest two for your smallest two. I'm like, oh, okay. Damn. So we head to the scales, yeah, and it and not a full bag was weighed that day, which to me speaks volumes about how tough it was to find bluegills on this lake because there's some really good teams out there, and nobody, and there's a lot of people out there scouting, and nobody could find a consistent bluegill pattern, <sighs> which made me feel a little bit better about myself because I was in full-on you-suck-at-fishing mode. Like, I can't believe you can't find bluegills. So that was going on. Um, so that made me feel a little bit better. Misery loves company. <laughs> and, uh, so these, the fish I'm seeing hit the scales, you know, I'm like, all right, not, I think we're, I think we're looking pretty good here. And so we go and dump our, our bucket in and, uh, we're new leader. So we were in first place for a little bit. I had big crappie, my 13 inch crappie or just under 13 
weighed, uh, I don't remember what it was, 1.13 or something like that. And then we had like just under six pounds is our total weight, which is not great. But so far, the best bag. And then uh, Timmy and Chris go up, and they had better crappies than we did. I don't think they had any bluegills, though, but they did have better crappies. And so they ended up edging us out. So they were leading for a little bit. And then um, Daryl went up there and dropped theirs. That was the other team that was up there. And, uh, yeah, they had and they had four gills. So they had seven crappies and four gills and ended up having, like, I think almost two pounds more than we did. So first place. And then they stole big crappie from me, too. Super rude. <laughs> Can't have anything nice. Uh, so they won the event. But good on them. I mean, they found those fish legit, fair and square. Um my my i got to take a little bit you know a credit we took a little bit of credit that we were at least the first holes drilled in that area so we found that caliber fish and that was pretty interesting too because it literally the top four bags all came from that spot even so alan mario i think they only weighed five crappies and they still took fourth place even though there was teams like nick and Leif that had seven and four because the crappies were just that next caliber and apparently the only place in the lake that was holding them that good i mean some other people said in pre-fishing they caught like 12s and 13s but just one here and one there and then this spot was actually holding the school of, of better quality fish um so yeah we ended up taking third place um so after beating myself up i was pretty satisfied with that i was like all right i'll do that i mean going into it i said that my goal for this year is to just stay in the top five in every event. So my hopes are still alive. We're still in it for obviously we're, you know, the season's wide open for uh, team of the year. Uh, Nick and Leif aren't out of it by any stretch of the imagination. They finished seventh. So they're right there. We're only four points different, you know, separates us. So that that's an easy swing in any event. Um, so yeah, we're doing good. Um, I was I was very pleasantly surprised that that that's how it shook out. But I will take a third place finish, especially on a tough day like that. And uh, now it's on to on to the next lake. Um, start pre-fishing and scouting all over again, and I'll be hitting it this Friday. So there is your recap and for your rant. Uh, I'm just gonna kind of expound on. So last week my my triggered <laughs> rant about that meat eater episode. And I uh, got some good feedback on it. Some people disagreed with me, which I expected. Um, I'm actually going to expound that even more. I have a guest lined up. We just got to figure out a time. And he actually falls more in Matt Rennell's camp. Um, but I I appreciate this person's uh, opinion in the way that, that I know we can have a civil debate and it won't get heated. And we can really, really go deep into the nuance and uh, kind of work this idea out i don't know that we're ever going to come up with any solutions because I, I honestly don't think it's a an issue that can be fixed um but at least we can kind of talk through it and share perspectives and find some common ground or you know i mean i, I just think it's going to be a good i think it's a subject with a lot of nuance and a lot of different perspectives that kind of all clash because it's you know when you talk about stuff in the outdoors very passionate right people are passionate about their outdoor sports and uh, so it's easy to see emotions flare and stuff like that. So I think we're going to be able to keep this one pretty evenly 
keeled, so keep on the lookout for that. I just read an article on uh, the Mankato Press that dealt with it too, and uh, they did a pretty good job of kind of, of breaking down like social media's effect on um, the outdoor space and, and public hunting. You know, do we do we need to recruit more hunters? Do we have enough hunters and, and anglers right now? Are we hurting the sport by trying to to grow it? And again, you listen to this podcast, you know my take is I think we need to continue to grow it and more voices at the table um, as people, you know, move more and more to cities and less and less out in the country, you, you lose that connection to the wildlands and, and pristine waters and it's just in my biggest threat and, and maybe it's maybe it's not legitimate but my my biggest fear my biggest threat that i see is you know the anti-hunters or people just are on the sidelines that when a a law comes up to ban this or that that the more voices we have saying yeah don't you know or at least look at hunting and fishing in a favorable light will be less likely to vote that way or vote for a candidate that way and shares those views so i mean maybe that's as steve Ronella refers to as the boogeyman the anti-hunter boogeyman but i mean i I do see that. I mean, and it's happened in certain cities and municipalities. You know, bear hunting is is not legal in New Jersey, and there's more bears per capita in New Jersey than anywhere in the lower 48. Like, it's un, it's unbelievable. Lion, lion hunting in California. You know, they're still killing lions. It's just now it's done by the government, and they're not making money raising, you know, people aren't paying for it. It's just it's stupid. Taxpayers are paying for it and not people that can actually go out there and put in the resource. I realize I am preaching to the choir right now, but that's kind of my point. It has happened. So I feel like if it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. But they did a pretty good job. I feel like the author kind of agreed with me um, that it was oversimplified. Matt's, you know, saying that the only reason people post pictures of what they kill or things that they catch is for likes and to get sponsors like that is not the only reason i actually think it's like probably way far down the list of reasons um you know bragging boards bragging boards are anything new there's always one at the bait shop magazines you know you always go back in the like the back of um for a fishing game or, or any of these other magazines and a lot of time they would have you know readers submitted photos you know i mean it, it's basically the same thing and, and is it easier to do does it reach more people with social media yes 100 percent. and we can talk about the effects of that but i don't think the reason somebody gets up in the morning i don't think they're lacing their boots up going boy i sure hope i get to post on facebook later today you know i mean there's so much more that goes out in the wild like just being connected to nature um the challenge of the hunt or fishing, being with fellow people, sharing a struggle, sharing a passion, like those things are going to weigh way higher on the important scale. I, I, you pull 200 people, 2000 people, I guarantee you the vast majority of them are going to say that's their primary thing. Maybe some say food, but likes on Facebook or social media, I think is going to be way down the list of importance. And he was basically putting it at number one and at least making it the number one cause as to why, trailheads are overcrowded or hunting spots are overcrowded then i read another article um this was more about ducks about kind of like the monetization of waterfall hunting and its impact and is that a good or a bad thing and that was a good article too and i think um, nick and i are going to touch on that on this week's waterfall wednesday so be on the lookout for that one that could be 
that could be a good one too. I'm not quite sure what Nick's take is going to be on that. He can have some kind of fringe opinion sometimes. Sometimes I agree with them and sometimes I don't. So uh, that one that one could be interesting. So keep on the lookout for that. All right, that's all I got for everybody today. Thank you again for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, do not forget, please go and check out um, American Hero Outdoor TV. I'm going to put the links in the show notes for this. Uh, please look at the show notes. Follow the links. If you are so inclined and you have the means, um, drop a couple bucks in the GoFundMe. Um, let's get that Hero Hut back up and running and... Uh, the people who stole it they can get fucked hope you die of ass cancer just kidding i hope you don't die but um it's a bullshit thing to do so i think we are all in agreement that theft just sucks i think we've all had stuff stolen from us it's the worst um work hard to get the stuff that we have Um, get a job go buy your own shit stop stealing stuff especially from pets piece of shit so anyways that's it i'll just keep rambling if i don't stop i appreciate each and every one of you until next time whatever your passion pursue it full scale